I'm going to uh, tell you a few stories, Mark. All right. Mm. Just brief little stories. Um, and they all have one thing in common. Beautiful. And I want you to see if you can figure out what the common thread is. I love is, games. Okay? I fucking love games. I know yes, you please. do. So <laughs> let's let's do it. Uh, so our first story. In November of 2015, uh -huh. students at Outwood Academy in Ripon showed signs of sickness and feeling faint sometime between 11 and 11.30. The ambulance service said, service said children were treated at the school and a hazardous materials team also attended. The school confirmed four children collapsed during an Armistice Day service and 40 were treated on site. A parent of one of the people said, quote, I rang the school to check my daughter was okay. I was told a couple of children had collapsed during a remembrance service. Another pupil who did not wish to be named said students had collapsed in the school's hall. A student said, when the first boy was sick, we thought it was one off, but then there was a big slap on the floor and someone had fainted. After that, it was a bit of a domino effect. Another three or four collapsed and then people started leaving the hall to get fresh air. Okay. One of the boys who fell was a bit concussed and had a big lump on his head. After they ushered us out quickly, a couple of girls had panic attacks. The student then said that lessons went on, to, went on as normal during the afternoon, but more students complained of feeling sick and suffering from headaches. Okay. In, in 1998, at a high school in Tennessee, a teacher complained of a pungent gasoline-like smell in her classroom. Soon after, she fell ill, reporting symptoms such as nausea, shortness of breath, dizziness, and a headache. Almost immediately, several students in her class started to experience similar symptoms, and before long... The rest of the school was stricken. In 2012, uh, Takar province in Afghanistan was alerted to what was feared to be a mass poisoning of girls at a school in the Tulugan district. Some 74 girls became ill and were taken to the hospital to be treated for the effects. Also in 2012, teenage girls from the small town of Leroy, New York, started to exhibit symptoms similar to those seen in Tourette's sy syndrome, such wow. as uncontrollable jerks of the limbs and verbal outbreaks. The symptoms also appeared in a 36-year-old woman and a teenage boy. Wow. So what do you think the common thread is here, Mark? All right, let's, uh, let me replay what I've heard there. So Ripon, yeah. is Recap. that our Ripon in Yorkshire? Ripon in Yorkshire. Yes. In the uh, UK. That so sounds got, right. Yes, in the uh, UK. Ripon, did you say Tennessee? Uh, I believe New York was. Okay. It was Ripon. Yep. Uh, New York. Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. And Tennessee. Yes. And Tennessee. So I can't see any common thread there in terms of geography. Right. Yeah. Okay. All involving kids. Yep. Yeah. Mostly these are teens. All involving schools. All of them involving schools in one way or another. All involving uh, some sort of hysteria, some kind of fainting episodes, some kind of... Right. I'm going to say the common thread here is uh, a kind of mimetic hysteria that spreads outwards from an observed event. And kids go, oh, fuck, I've seen something bad. Maybe I feel bad too. And then they're out. I'm going to say... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Some kind of some kind of mass hysteria, hypochondria event. Very well done, Mark. That Thank is more much. or less exactly yeah. what this is. Thank I love I loved watching you work through that. That was very mm. good. Good. So the common thread here 
Fire departments came, checked for leaks. Mm -hmm. Environmental agencies looked for toxins in soil and water. Yep. Blood tests were taken from suffer sufferers. Epidemiologists were called in, and nothing was found that could have caused these large groups to fall ill. Mm. What they'd experienced is what is called mass psychogenic illness, oh, or sometimes called mass sociogenic illness, but mm. the same kind of thing. Uh, and what this is, it's also called MPI for short, so I will use that throughout this so I don't have to keep saying mass psychogenic illness. Um, it's a type of mass hysteria, like you were kind of on on the track of, uh, mm. in which groups of people, and it's usually women, uh, manifest physical illness they've seen in someone else essentially out of anxiety. Yeah. Uh, so there are a few different sets of criteria for MPI set out by various different researchers in various studies. I read a lot of studies because I don't, for some reason this is really fascinating to me. Oh, I got is, like yeah. real deep into it. I was just like reading papers about this all day yesterday. Um, and I liked these particular criteria, which came from a study published in the journal Epidemiology entitled Frequency and Predictors of Mass Psychogenic Illness. Mm. So according to this study, uh, an MPI event entails, first, the presence of somatic bodily symptoms um, a, to a pre-existing social connection between two or more of the affected people. Mm. Three, an epidemic spread of symptoms uh, so it occurs in greater numbers than would be expected in a given period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, four, an, attribu an attribution of symptoms by affected individuals to a threatening external agent of a physical, usually chemical, biological, radiologic, or spiritual nature. Yeah. And number five, probably most importantly, symptoms and signs that are not combat compatible with the environmental exposure specified by the affected individuals, uh -huh. nor with any other environmental exposure that could reasonably, reasonably be expected to have been present at the time of or shortly before onset of symptoms. So the key here is that there can't be an environmental explanation. There's, It's not connected to something actually in the environment. So would you like to know why... I reached for that answer as quickly as I did. And please, please do. listen and yeah, do please me. believe that I have no prior knowledge of what Corey is going to serve up here. I had no clue what she was going to talk about. Nope. Because I have an absolute clear as crystal memory of precisely this phenomena happening in uh, secondary school. Um, uh, yes, okay. Yeah. When I grew up. So uh, every secondary school age kid at around 13 and 14 has a, uh, a vaccination, right? The MMR jab, mm. measles, mumps, yep. rubella. And... I clear as day remember the day that we had the MMR jab in school in Trudica Comprehensive. Big up yourself, Trudica Comp crew. Uh, <laughs> when it seemed like within the space of 45 minutes, one or two kids were like, oh, I feel a bit faint. Uh, so they got like some gym mats out in the school hall for them to have a bit of a lie down on. right? <laughs> and yeah. within a fucking hour and a half, just wall-to-wall -wall gym mats and kids wow. uh, sprawled on the floor. Um, and, uh, you know, knowing some of those kids who were kind of, you know, laying down, spazzing out for want of a better term, they weren't the type to pretend to be able just to get off a couple of right. lessons. These were kind of, yeah. you know, these were these were general, these were good kids uh, having a quote-unquote reaction yes. to, to, to a totally safe, completely benign vaccine because... They'd seen it because their peers had seen it and a domino had fucking a cascade effect had began and it had radiated outwards from this ground zero of, of you know, what did you say? Psychogenic. 
mass psychogenic oh, illness. God, that's fucking such a sexy term. I love the term psychogenic. <laughs> David Lynch used the term psychogenic, a psychogenic fugue mm. to explain what mm. goes on in. Uh, it's not. It is. It's Lost Highway. Is it Lost Highway? Yes, it is Lost Highway. Um, when Balthazar Getty and Jeff Daniels swap fucking bodies in the middle of the fucking film. Um, yes, terrific, terrific. Uh, and and yes, and I've seen it happening, and I absolutely can uh, attest to its power. Yeah, and what you're saying here is so key in it too. The you know thing I want to point out about this mm. is that it's real, right? Yes, mass yes. psychogenic illness is technically in the mind but mm -hmm. it's real it's not people faking illness what you said here about like these aren't kids who were like oh i want attention or you yeah. know whatever else they saw what happened and they actually manifested yeah. those symptoms within yeah. themselves um and, and there's two main types of these mpis the most mm -hmm. common in western countries is anxiety hysteria uh, which is triggered by extreme sudden stress within a close-knit group and most of these are actually triggered by foul odors mm. so usually something smells off someone gets stressed out and reacts to it other people get stressed out and react to it and that's what causes it but your mmr example is exactly the same kind of thing right so yep. they knew a chemical agent something yes. had happened yes chemical agent and this had you know they saw someone have a reaction to it, which can happen, of course, or the person was just stressed out and they, you know, reacted that way, but it causes this. So in this case, symptoms are transient, benign, and typically include dizziness, headache, fainting, and over-breathing, and most victims recover within 24 hours. The other kind is called motor hysteria, and that <laughs> arises from long-term anxiety. Mm. Common symptoms include twitching, shaking, trouble walking, uncontrollable laughing, weeping, oh, wow. communication <laughs> difficulties, and trance states. Uh, and I was just listening to a, a uh, last podcast on the left series about um, the um, the plague, yeah. and they were talking about like how there was like a dance epidemic that went through, and they're not entirely sure. Oh, that rings sure. a bell. Actually, I think I've heard about yeah. that. And no one's entirely sure why this happened. Like, it could have been, like, that, what is it, like, ergot or whatever it is, mm. poisoning that people uh, blame a lot of weird things that happened in the past on. But mm. also, potentially, it can be this kind of hysteria caused by, um, like, so it says symptoms appear slowly over weeks or months under exposure to long-standing stress, yeah. like a plague. Uh, and typically take weeks or months to subside after the stress has been reduced or eliminated. Mm. So Simon Wesley at the Institute of Psychiatry at King's College London, and he was actually a researcher on the paper I mentioned before, he said it may be that someone faints or has a fit or a medical incident, and what then gets transmitted is anxiety. People get anxious because they don't quite know what it is, and the thing about anxiety is that it gives you symptoms. You feel mm. frightened, you shake, you get a dry mouth, you get butterflies in your stomach, you might get chest pain. The next thing you know, you've keeled over. Mm. And not all episodes of it are benign and easily resolved. Complex cases occur when stress builds up and becomes chronic in a population. So in these instances, the effects can be absolutely explosive. In regions where people live in fear of being gassed or bombed with nerve agents or struck down by witchcraft, mass psychogenic events can affect hundreds, even thousands of people at a time. They can suffer muscular tics, twitching, or shaking for weeks and months. Wesley says these things become huge when the rumor, ex the rumored explanation is both dangerous yeah. and credible. 
So in that story I told you about the case of the girls in Afghanistan, for example, there was a legitimate concern that those girls had about poisoning because there are several extreme in- extremist groups, including the Taliban, that are very much against uh, girls being educated. Uh-huh. And so girls in other schools had been poisoned. Uh-huh. And so this causes this extreme stress in these girls. Uh, so when one person fell ill, all of them got had this huge anxiety that like, oh my God, the Taliban has come for us now uh-huh. and caused this, you know, this mass hysteria, if you will. So a couple of a couple of questions that come to mind here then. Yes, go for it. I haven't read much about this in a long time, but as a kid, I remember reading about the origins of uh, of the zombie in folklore, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I believe it goes back to Haiti. Um, yeah, and what you've described there—the bodily twitches, the paralysis, the kind of the terror, the spreading of anxiety because it, it gets mm. blamed on a supernatural or a another worldly root cause. Is that, I suspect that might be where that came from. It certainly could be. I don't know that that's necessarily, um, like, that that's been determined to be the case. But it can certainly have that effect. I mean, it's also uh, something that people attribute potentially the Salem witch trials to. Yes. uh, Things there that, you know... Again, that same poison is sometimes blamed for maybe why they acted out these ways. Some people think they were just faking. Um, but potentially this could also be what caused that, that, you know, there was a lot of stress and anxiety around something being manifested and it caused all these people to start yeah. having the same kinds of, or these, the small group of girls, but to start having these like twitches and shakes yeah. and whatnot. So my, my other question is then, back in my school, I yeah. vividly remember... Uh, my my good friend and remains a good friend of mine, Chris Thomas, now lives in Australia. Um, turn to one another and look at all these kids on the floor. What the fuck is wrong with these kids? There's, there's nothing. <laughs> there's clearly nothing going on. There's clearly nothing wrong with any of them. Why were we not affected? Well, and the fact that you had a trust in the vaccine hmm. might have been a part of why you weren't affected by it. Maybe you'd had vaccines before. Maybe you just were kind of like, you know, that's your general attitude towards these things anyway. Hmm. Um, so in order for them to manifest these symptoms, they would have had to have uncertainty or anxiety about the vaccine in the first place, which is not to say they had to be vaccine hesitant or have like a determined fear of it. Yeah. But there had to be some level of uncertainty in them about what it was going to do Mm. um, on top of potentially, you know, the way that people empathize with one another, the way that, um, you know, they've kind of been socially trained makes a difference. Mm. Uh, So there's like a lot of factors that go into what making someone, what makes someone particularly susceptible, which, you know, is also that most of these things happen to women has a lot to do with the anxieties that women face in society and the way that women are socialized to empathize with one another and sort of, um, you know, take on other people's baggage and whatnot and to feel that kind of stress in ways that males are not socialized to do so. I see. Um, So there's like a lot of different factors that can go into why some people are susceptible. But I would say, you know, if you were looking at it like it's just a vaccine, like we've had a bajillion of these, why would this cause this? What happened to these kids? Then you weren't in a mindset that would make you susceptible to that happening to you. Are you saying perhaps that I was simply stronger than 
No. All of my peers. <laughs> I am not saying you were stronger. <laughs> might, might that be what that's, you are suggesting? That's not, no, that's not what I'm suggesting but to you at all. You can't rule it out, can you? That <laughs> somehow just more resilient, robust uh, <laughs> than all of the other kids in my school. Is that maybe what you were saying? No. I'll leave that for you to decide. <laughs> I refuse to humor you in this. But uh, there, with all of these kinds of things, what you see is that they're usually happening with some sort of stimulus that you can trace to the location that they're in, right? Mm -hmm. So normally this starts because of a foul odor. That's where you find most of this from. Or your MMR vaccine yes. or whatever the case may be. You get these people in proximity. They experience some sort of stimulus and they respond to it. However... Uh, in the case of the girls in Leroy, New York, with the Tourette's-like symptoms, this was a whole other animal entirely to what researchers were used to with MPIs. Mm -hmm. Normally, in this phenomenon that we have recorded instances of for hundreds of years, yep. the central element is proximity. Okay. Uh, that's that's why you know the foul odor, MMR, etc., can trigger it. Everyone is experiencing the same stimulus that causes the anxiety. Uh huh. However, the epidemic in Leroy started when a girl posted a video of herself on YouTube documenting the symptoms. Wow. So these Tourette's-like symptoms had seemingly manifested out of nowhere in this girl, and she wanted to show what was happening to her. So she posted a YouTube video showing one of these epi episodes of what was going on. Um, and then that video went viral. Mm -hmm. Once that happened... As I mentioned before, more teenage girls experience those symptoms, as well as a teen boy and a woman in her 30s. Now, they're from the same area. Oh, but what, they through having seen her video? Ooh, having that. seen her video. That's the woman fantastic. said, yeah, the, the woman, the one in her 30s, said she'd seen the teen's case on Facebook. Mm. And that led researchers to realize, holy shit, social media may have transformed the very nature of mass psychogenic illness, where before things required you to be in the same general vicinity now could be transmitted by suggestion through the fucking internet. Oh, that's incredible. That is right? so good. That is so good. Yeah. So all of this sort of highlights that connection between stress and anxiety and the mm -hmm. physical body. Because we do tend to look at like what happens in our brain and the rest of our body as totally different things. But they aren't, obviously. We sure, have one sure, body. Sure. And the brain is in charge of most of what it does. Mm. So if your brain gets freaked out and thinks that it's sick, it's sick, it sends messages to the rest of your body that actually physically make it ill. Wonderful. And that is what we are seeing. Wonderful. FBI. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, it feels like another layer, another strand of this uh, capability that social media has to transmit, you know, mimetic fear, like we spoke exactly. about with Momo a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. It can transmit ideas. It can transmit, you know, trends, quote unquote, on TikTok. You could be uh, kind of receiving all sorts of fucking trends that you don't even know that you're even picking up or, 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 yeah. or being broadcast, you know, psychogenic illnesses coming at you through social media. Fucking hell. If Stephen King hasn't written that, by the way, it's only a matter yeah. of time. You know what I mean? Seriously. I mean, that it sort of makes me think of, like, you know, if you go on WebMD yes. and you, like, look up yes, something, yes. all of a sudden you're convinced you have cancer or whatever. Like, you're like, well, maybe I do have these symptoms and you start mm. to feel, like, sick or whatever, which is, in general, not a thing I do. But a lot of people do that thing, mm -hmm. you know feel they start to feel the things that they read when they're looking at 
like a WebMD thing. And this is sort of like this mass version of that. You see someone have something and it starts to make you anxious. Well, that came out of nowhere for that girl. What if it came out of nowhere for me? And you sure. end up tricking your brain into thinking that this is a thing that is actually happening to you. And it's wild to think that now we've shifted the way that kind of thing is ha that can happen. It has always happened, as far as we knew, through human history, but now yeah. we've just created a whole new way of doing it. Gotcha! <laughs> is that your dog I can hear? Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously the idea that social media can make you psychosomatically sick just hugely appeals to me, and... <laughs> you know, on a in terms of history, we're still very, very much in the early days of social media, and you know, and the 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 effect that it's going to have socially on developing minds has yet to be counted. Can't possibly be counted. Uh, yeah. This, I think, is just one of many, many things that, with the benefit of hindsight, we'll be able to look back on and go, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." That's that's when that all fucking started. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, because we can see that budding and you know sociologists psychologists and mm. epidemiologists are looking at it uh we can curb some of those effects instead of letting it run rampant like many of the ills of the yep. internet have done along with deep fakes i think that's something mm. i'll 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 start to keep an eye keep on. an eye on yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah see I'll where you where you see it i'll start to just keep a little eye out for this <laughs> um on deep fakes just really briefly this is something that i meant to mention a couple of weeks ago Mm. Neither of us saw deep fake uh, map imagery coming, did we? Deep fake map? Yes. Imagery? So uh, bird's eye top down views of cities and towns mm -hmm. completely procedurally generated that don't exist. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which can be used in propaganda, which can be used, you know, in dis and misinformation. Yeah. You can now procedurally generate an entire mm. fucking town map viewed from the top down uh, which is you know indistinguishable to the naked eye from an actual map of a, of a real city um, like satellite imagery you know buildings and homes and parks people um, that don't exist just don't exist I don't need that no one needs that <laughs> <laughs> no one needs that there's no <laughs> practical use for that stop this no one needs stop it. this stop this science <laughs> Uh, welcome everyone, it's Jack of All Graves time, uh, a day late but fucking great, all the same, <laughs> listen don't blame me, rhyme. I thought so. Uh, don't blame me. Blame football. Um, <laughs> as my nation slowly kind of uh, wakes up and blinks and looks around wondering what the fuck it did last night. Uh, things, yeah. Yeah. Oof. It's a lot of people who are going to have to explain a lot of things to bosses, spouses, yeah. uh, <laughs> whoever else, because shit got weird in your country. Oh, weird doesn't even come close. I mean... It's the the one insurmountable barrier I have from engaging with that sport, even in the slightest, is that... Mm. And, you know, as I'm fond of saying, 
I'm not trying to detract from the passion of millions and millions of other people. Go to it. I this is you know I you love what you love and pursue it with all your heart, but the readiness, the instant, any opportunity that uh, a, a a what they claim always is a minority of football fans, right. but their readiness to immediately revert to type. And start the violence and start the destruction yeah. and start the fucking racism and the yeah. hate and this fucking horrible sneering, just nastiness of a section of football fandom just prevents me from engaging with it in the slightest. And it may be the beautiful yeah. game, right? And the yeah. players at the highest level may be the most skilled and, you know, peak fitness fucking athletes in the world, but... I'm afraid to say that subsection is the face of the game for me. And I, and right. I, I simply cannot engage with that. Um, but yeah. hey. I don't understand that impulse either. I don't know why. I mean, soccer really seems to bring it out more than most things. We get like certain rivalries in sports here, things like that, where if someone wins it, you know, people do stupid stuff. They'll light a yeah. bus on fire or something like that, you know, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's not, it just doesn't feel like it, like we have a sport that brings out all of that mm. that way, especially like all of the, you know, the racism and the, you know, like just very open, um, hateful. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that is exactly on. what it is. We don't it's have, I don't think we have that. We ha I mean, we have plenty of racism, just not quite like, the, sure. it doesn't manifest the way that it does with your soccer yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just wild to me why and, and, why and is is you know synonymous with the identity of the game for me yeah you know at club yeah. level at local kind of community provincial level as well as on a fucking national global level yeah um just with the merest provocation it just erupts into that kind of horrific uh, fucking brain dead yeah. destruction so yeah i will say though that you know i was saying last week or whatever i have never been able to get into soccer or anything like that but it's funny maybe it was the stakes of like i turned on that game match whatever you mm. call it um to just watch along and see if we were going to be able to podcast or when we were going to be able to podcast and mm -hmm. so i was like just kind of had it on in the background while i was doing other things and i was getting kind of into it you huh. know i was like oh this is actually you know the like it really as i've said before i love athleticism in general i just like that's a thing that appeals to me and watching people do stuff that like kind of looks like magic to me yes and like when a ball like is coming like across this field super fast and then someone like hits it with their head and it passes to the person they meant to pass it to and then that person yeah. like it looked like they were kicking it forward but it went sideways and like i was like okay this is yeah i i guess if i if i could be bothered <laughs> to learn the rules yes then maybe i could get into it but that feels like a lot of work <laughs> well, everything everything you've just described that wonder that sense of magic how the fuck are they doing that i get yeah. all that from wrestling so yeah. i got that covered yeah. thank you very much right exactly i'm like i do that every week watching AEW as well yeah. so, so i don't thank need you. i don't need soccer nope. to fulfill that but at least i for anyone who was like ah when I said I just can't get into it at all last week, at least you can, you have this. I did kind of get into mm. it a little bit. Anyway, 
uh, my kids were totally into it. You know what I mean? It was, you know, they, they were talking about it in, at, at school for weeks and, and probably bought into it. So bless them. And uh, I think we managed to shield them from the horrific uh, aftermath. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I st- I can't get over that one video of the, like, naked dude. The like, geezer with just... the fucking flare up his ass. No, not even that. Oh. This was like, I mean, maybe it was the same guy, but a different video. But it was just some <laughs> naked dude, just like, just like flapping around, waving yeah, yeah, a yeah, flag, yeah, yeah. and yeah. like, I was just like, why is this why happening? Especially in the age of social media, like, but there, there's no amount of drinks you could put in me that would make me not go like, oh, that's gonna end up on the internet and everybody's gonna see it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's Jeez. let's cut off the oxygen of publicity and let's hope that plenty of people lost their jobs <laughs> today and yeah. yeah yeah i think we're seeing that on the internet as it is um i want to thank ben for that lovely intro that you just heard the um <laughs> crossfire inspired mark lewis theme <laughs> did i say that i wanted a theme tune then is that something i've said in the past i think you might have mentioned that i feel like I, there was at one point you were always... like like oh you know make me themes people make art and whatnot of our show why not a theme tune like yeah that's yeah. realistic to well, have ben, someone do you stepped up buddy and it sounds fantastic um cory played it to me first when i was in the car driving home after a really stressful day at work and i just i couldn't pass what i was hearing <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't hang on that's a really that's that's a sick fucking riff with my name being what up there i couldn't deal with it i kind of sh- <laughs> shut it down um, yeah, but it is. It, it's sick as fuck. Thanks. I can imagine coming out uh, at WrestleMania to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So thank you, Ben. That was a nice little Thanks, little ben. break from our <laughs> from our normal uh, theme tune that Mark doesn't know exists. And <laughs> uh, also, we want to make sure that we announce once again that on July twenty fourth, mm. we will be watching a vampire movie together. Yes, the. Wrecks have been coming in thick and fast. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, really. Yes, uh, so many. A lot of you like, a lot of you like the vampires, huh? Yeah, I'm apparently ah. the only one who doesn't like vampire movies. <laughs> well, they are great. They are great. Uh, and there's lots of different flavors. That's the great thing about vampires. Yeah. You've got, you've got your, you know, you've got your fae kind of uh, tousled hair, frilly pirate shirt kind of vampire, poetry vampires. And you've got your scabby fucking leather jacket in the back of a van vampires. You've got your cyberpunk vampires. You've got your cool ass fucking wearing shades vampires. There's a different flavor of vampire for every fan. You've got your kind of demonic kind of fucking black eyed vampires. Vampires are great. (laughs) I guess. I suppose so. There were a few, I mean, um, someone had suggested vampires versus the Bronx, which I really enjoyed. Um, Is that the Eddie Murphy one? No, that's Vampire no, in Brooklyn. That's you can see my mistake. You can see where yeah, I Yeah, no, that up makes there. sense. I, <laughs> I, I get that. Um, no, that's... Uh, there's And in fact, I was Googling... I was watching In the Heights for the third time last night. Mm. And one of the kids in it, I was like, he is like very familiar. And I realized, I think I think he's the one who wears the ghost shirt throughout the entirety of Vampires vs. Okay. the Bronx. But anyway, he's in that movie. Um, and uh, What We Do in the Shadows, I love. Like, There's mm. been some suggestions that I'm like, okay, yeah, I like some of these. Lot, a lot so. of the suggestions are too damn good to waste on a watch along. I mean, <laughs> it's giving me a big hankering to watch true. what we do in the shadows again, uh, yeah. which I know during our kind of off air chat earlier on, I spoke to you about Leslie Nielsen about how he's, you know, yes. one of the greatest jokes in the history of film uh, is down to Leslie Nielsen. Um, but one of the other ones is down to what we do in the shadows. The one about the fucking sandwich. Fucking yeah. water. 
It is a work of art. It is beautifully crafted. I've seen that movie so many times, and it Ugh. makes me startle laugh every single time. That line, it's, it's so it's, incredibly good. If if a joke could go in the fucking Louvre, right? That, <laughs> the sandwich joke from what we do in the shadows. It is a it is a mwah, masterpiece. It's beautiful, yeah. but it's too good for a watch along, mate. Too good for a watch along. Yeah. Um, but thank you for your submissions, everyone. There'll be a poll up a little later on today. I have some thoughts on what I'd like to win, you know? As usual. As and usual. And we'll see, we'll uh, see if uh, that gets pushed in some way. We will see. But what we will overtly. also see is we'll see all of y'all on the 24th. Yes. The usual time, usual place. Uh, did I, you just say y'all? I did say y'all, yeah. I thought I'd try that on. Did it not, did it not work? Don't love it. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. Yeah, it's good. Like, we can try new things out. Yeah. Absolutely. Some of them work, some won't. It's fine. <laughs> Not everything can be a winner. No, they can't all be singers. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so Friends. join us for that. <laughs> um, yeah, join us for that. It's going to be a really good time. And uh, yeah, hey, what have we been watching this week, Mr. Lewis? Uh, I did manage to pack a couple in, actually. You did, yeah. You did yes. a couple things in. I finally got around to watching uh, Intruder from 1989, um, okay. which is in in everything but truth a Sam Raimi film. It f- feels like a Sam Raimi film. Okay. It plays out like a Sam Raimi film. Um, uh, who the fuck? Not Rob Tappert, one of the other lads behind Evil Dead. Uh, directed um, mm-hmm. and it's 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 everything you would expect it to be 1989 set okay. entirely in a supermarket uh, it takes oh, a okay. long time to get where it's going you've got uh, Ted Raimi in there um, there's a little cameo from uh, Bruce Campbell uh, nice. Greg Nicotero makeup effects it's a good laugh right it's, it's really fun uh, yeah. and you aren't expecting some of the kills to be as fucking full on as they are. There's a couple okay. of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, none of your reaction shots and cutaways and... <gasps> none of that shit, I swear to God. It, <laughs> some of the in. kills. There's a movie that I saw uh, way back in the day, in the tape trading days, in the in the kind of sending off for VHS fucking bootlegs of Video Nasties days. There's a movie I saw called Absurd, right? It's okay. an, an, an Italian horror. Um, I want to say it's by Joe D'Amato, but I might be wrong. Um, an Absurd was a, a sequel to Anthropophagus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, Absurd has some. It's it's proper. It's Italian, and it's you can you can see why it would get banned in the eighties. Absurd, right? <laughs> sure. But um, Intruder equals it in terms of some of the kills. It's there's one oh, particular wow. kill where you're like. Oh, holy shit! This this was like a knockabout horror comedy up until the, up until this fucking kill, <laughs> and then Ish gets real. It really does. Um, it's great as a, as a nice little historical document. It's very of its time. It's very nineteen eighty nine. Um, delightful to see uh, Jake from Evil Dead Two, Bob and Joe. You know him. <laughs> Really good to see him again in a nice leading role. You know, he gets lots of screen time. I've never, it's the first time I've seen him in any other film apart from Evil Dead 2. And, and it, it, yeah, it was it was a real treat. So Intruder, please do nice. check it out if you're in any way uh, an aficionado of, of 
of you know of, of 80s yeah, horror uh i watched with the the screaming chat crew um night of the demons on a similar note have you ever seen that it's a i think I, right I, i'm confused am i confusing it with demons <laughs> the thing is there's so many movies with names like this that yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, even yeah, yeah, when yeah. i was when i was looking it up to like rate it i wrote like night of like several other things before i was like ah demons that was the one that i was looking for because so got... it's Night of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead. Very similar titles, totally different sure. films. And now yep. apparently we've got Night of the Demons and Demons totally separate. Yeah. Night of the Demons. I'm, I'm, I'm certain I would have seen it, but I can't for the life of me remember it. Night of the Demons is about like a bunch of, I don't know if they're teenagers or like college age, but you know, young people who go to a party and uh, end up summoning demons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is... Um, it's really something. The acting is terrible, but you can also tell that in terms of effects, in terms of tone, things like that, it definitely owes a lot to Evil Dead as well. It's absolutely oh, influenced by this. It's an eighties horror as well, and like you can you can see the influences clearly in that. There's some very sort of shocking moments in it. There's a lot of very very absurd moments in it. There's one like as this one girl is sort of like being possessed or whatever, where she just like dances for minutes minutes okay. is she having a psychogenic is... fucking <laughs> breakdown <laughs> yeah psychogenic fugue of some sort <laughs> she's you know like doing this kind of like sexy dance and things get weird huh? and of course violent there's a lot of violence in it surprising who survives the film actually and maybe perhaps a, a touch ahead of its time hmm. um but yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to say this was a good movie, but it also is not a terrible way to spend an hour and a half. If you're just in the mood for something that, um, you know, is a ripoff or like owes itself to the sort of Evil Dead type of stuff and those kinds of effects, but done with very yep. goofy, um, stereotypical type 80s characters, you know, you're like big dumb jock guy and you're you mm. know like cutesy little cheerleadery girl and the archetypes kind of the and, big yeah. archetypes love it mm-hmm. mm. yeah so it was a it was not a bad time and uh, i was fun doing that with the dead and lovely crew yes very nice I, I really must come to one of those one of these days yeah do please yeah, drag me along to the next one if you don't mind i don't think i can ever keep you awake that late but yeah. oh is, is it okay for i'm a, as we know i'm a sleepy boy you are a sleepy boy. <laughs> this is your brand. So. <laughs> uh, what else did I see? Oh, okay. A British horror comedy called Benny Loves You. Has this got to your radar? Does this ring any bells? I saw it on your letterbox, but I don't know that I'd heard of it yet. Right. Okay. Uh, going for a, a Shaun of the Dead type of vibe. I think it's fair to say. Okay. Um, so think Small Soldiers. Okay. Uh, and then think Toy Story, but also think Child's Play, uh, and yeah, and, and with, with a kind of a spaced comedy vibe, it's interesting, super lo-fi, right? The guy, it's, it's obviously a labor of love and reading about this movie, it apparently took the guy five years to make, which, which, which immediately puts it in my cool books. Yeah, you love that. Oh, I fucking absolutely love that. <laughs> the, you know, have such faith in your idea that you're willing to give up a 
very, you know, a very reasonable chunk of your life to pursuing it and, and realising yeah. it on screen. Um, is it a great film? Nah. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's got a lot of CG rendering. The baddies are, are, are all CG rendered and it's clearly all done by one bloke. Um, wow, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, it's got good kills in it. It, 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 it. It's got some smiles. It's... It's 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 absolutely worth a look just to see what's possible with a tiny crew and a tiny budget and a whole lot of heart, you know. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. As do I. We never ever diss a movie for being lo-fi because lo-fi is where all the magic happens. You don't, you know, you okay. don't. Nobody gets huge straight off the bat. You've got to start small, and that's what Benny loves you is. I I think this guy's next movie and the movie after that are going to be really really good shit. Uh, I, I recommend Benny Loves You. It's not... Okay. You know what I mean? You, your mind will wander and you might pick your phone up from time to time. But it's 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 got a load of heart. Recommended. Okay. Then I will watch it cool. as soon as it's available here. Good. I recommend the movie Vicious Fun. Have you watched that yet? Never heard of it. Oh my goodness. So this has been, this is new to Shudder a few weeks ago. Uh -huh. um, I don't know if it's on your Shudder or not yet. Um, but it's this very stylized kind of like the like 80s vaporwave-ish kind of feel mm. to the movie mm -hmm. um, about a guy who is a horror movie critic. He writes for a like <laughs> horror movie magazine. Yeah. Um, and he accidentally stumbles into a support group for serial killers. Ooh. Uh, and things get crazy. And it is, oh my God, it's so fun. Like it is, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously, um, but also isn't, it's not dumb. Sure. Um, which is sometimes I like a dumb horror, but I do like, it just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't always hit right. This really kind of balances the tone with like the coolness of the 80s vibe with yeah. some like very funny moments with insane kills. Yes, um, that's what this. I was waiting for. Right. Okay. Yeah. And it's just, it's fun and, you know, anxiety inducing and just, I like this is one of the very few movies that, honestly, I don't think I looked at my phone the entire time. Is it new? Um, is it quite a new movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a 2021 movie. Um, and I, yeah, I legitimately sat there, and this is very, at first it was a conscious choice where I was like, Corgan, you're going to sit down, and you're going to watch this movie, yeah. um, and you're not going to take out your phone. And then I didn't feel the need to. <laughs> I just watched the movie, um, and it was such a good time. So I, I mean, and it's it's rated well on on Letterbox. So it's not. I'm not the only one. Uh, you know, if you've seen this floating around, probably whoever told you about it really likes it too. But if you've been sleeping on it and like, oh, maybe I'll watch that. Absolutely worth your time. And it really like hitting the right tone with something that does have that '80s ish feel to it is also like, yeah can be hit or miss, can feel just very forced, and it doesn't. Well, see, movie. Fear Street, 1989, for example. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or 1994? Was it, ni yeah. was it yeah, it was. It was 94. It was 1994. Yes. It was the 90s. They were a bit vague on where they, where they put that chronologically. <laughs> yeah. I think. How could you possibly know when that movie took place <laughs> when they gave you absolutely no clues <laughs> at all? Um, yeah, so we, st we still have... Uh, the next Fear Street to to watch this week too. We so do. We'll, we'll report back on that one. Lots week. of people are telling me that it's better than the first. Lots of people are telling me that it's uh, a it lot grimmer, a lot darker. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm I'm excited about mm. that one. Um, 
the other thing I watched was The Hunt finally got around to watching that, um, which I think would be a better movie if they just didn't try to do political satire with it at all. Because the political stuff falls entirely flat um, in that movie. Have I seen The Hunt? I think I have. You have apparently seen it. You, Yeah, you've. You rated it on Letterboxd, so... Yes, I think I <laughs> broadly it. enjoyed it. I think it filled the same gap as, like, one of the lesser Purge movies. Right. Like, in The Hunt itself, and, like, again, like, the violence and kills and the silliness of some of it and whatnot mm. is very entertaining. Mm. However, because of, like, the weird political bent that they put on it, mm. I was spending the entire movie sitting there like, the fuck are they trying to say here yeah, yeah, yeah and like it just didn't work and the like you know their caricatures of the liberal elites and stuff like weren't funny mm. and they were trying to make them funny like at one point you know they're having like this meeting about killing the deplorables and like one of the characters comes in and the other one's like is that a kimono that's cultural appropriation and you're <sighs> like nobody talks like that like <laughs> You know, okay. and they constantly do that throughout the movie is like just throw out buzzwords of like wokeness yep. or whatever. And it's supposed yep. to be a zinger. Yep. Um, and I was surprised at the end to find that Damon Lindelof wrote it. He wrote it with Carlton Cuse's son, whose name is um, escaping me. But I love Damon Lindelof. I'm like in any time he writes something. So when his name came up at the end, I was like, Damon, mm. what happened here? But like I said, it's a fun movie if you take out the political element of it. You hit on something there in terms of tone of voice, in terms of character's tone of voice. Mm, it feels mm -hmm. like there was a long, I'm going to say too long, uh, trend or phase or, or, or vogue. Uh, I'm thinking Adventureland and I'm thinking Juno. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, for a long time, it seemed as though any young people, any young characters in films all had this detached ironic mm. way of speaking and kids just don't fucking speak that way no you know yeah that drives me crazy yeah <laughs> it's the same kind. i mean that's always been my my thing with a lot of stuff like i get their style style is a thing right yes but when i watch something i felt this way about like when people were into like dawson's creek and uh, yes. gilmore girls yes. in high school that everyone talked really fast and monotone yes with like huge words and like I was like that's but like people don't talk like that and if I'm supposed to be interested in the, in these people as people as like human beings yeah 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 ugh, that doesn't work for me um yeah and I think like the evolution of that becomes like your shoegazy type <laughs> film you mm -hmm. know you're these kids who dialogue is tough isn't it dialogue is very very tough it, it's it's tough I guess it's one of those things that you don't notice authentic dialogue when you hear it necessarily because it just sounds authentic. You just Because you don't it. have to think about it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But as soon as somebody starts speaking in quotes, mm -hmm. it sticks out a mile and it and it completely removes you from Yeah. The fiction. It's kind of what I was saying and you it, you were saying it didn't bother you at all and didn't ruin it for me or anything, but reading The Institute by Stephen King, you know, yes. that I was like at this point he is too old to write children and his children all <laughs> speak like 70 year old men. You know? And so it's like, they'd say things and I would just, I'd reread it over and over again. Like mm. how can I put, can I imagine this coming out of like an 11 year old's mouth? Yeah. Is there any way I can make that sound like a thing an 11 year old would say? Absolutely not. 
you know, and it kind of, yeah, pulls you out of it in a way that if dialogue is natural, yeah. you don't, you just, yeah, you don't know. It's invisible to you. Isn't that being adapted? It probably is, isn't it? Literally everything he has sure written or ever be. will write is being adapted. But I seem to remember yeah. really fucking enjoying the Institute. I think it was a great Yeah, book. it's a great book. I yeah. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. But those children do not talk like people. No. Or at least not young people. Hmm. Yep. Crusade. Um, and oh, and you was you saw Black Widow, which I'm seeing today. I did see Black Widow, and I missed mainline MCU movies so bad, mm. and it's just yeah. a fucking treat to have them back. I mean, it's a mid-tier entry, sure, yeah, but you know, a mid-tier Marvel film is still a fucking great laugh, as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I'm so invested in that timeline and in those characters and in and in in that universe, and yeah. you know, having Marvel action TM back <laughs> back on screen was was a delight too. And and yeah, uh, it's it's getting talked about in the same breath as James Bond. And if it is a James Bond film, then it's one of the fucking mental Pierce Brosnan ones where he ends up fucking, <laughs> you know riding a nuclear bomb into space or whatever it, it's it's sure. gigantic stupid action but uh blindsides you with with more violence than you're expecting and i've seen people say that multiple times that mm. yeah for a marvel movie they're not expecting the violence yes. in it which i'm very curious about so in three hours i will be seeing mm. that and finding out for myself I'm excited for, about. It, it, also it, go on oh go ahead it looks beautiful. It is a beautiful looking mm. film as well. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. excited to go see it in the theater. I was like, I could just, you know, because we've been having lots of thunderstorms. Tropical Storm Elsa came through here. That's why I didn't go see it the other night because mm. it was wild outside. Uh, we're supposed to have thunderstorms tonight too, but so far it's pretty clear. But I was like, oh, maybe I'll just do it at home so I don't have to deal with the storms. I'm like, no, I really want to see this on the big screen. I don't have like a theater set up in my home like you do. So mm. I was like, I really want to actually go and see this the right way. So I'm stoked what, on that. What is it going to take to get me back to a cinema? Because I watched Black Widow at home. and oh. Weren't you supposed to have seen The Purge by now too? Uh, that's, I believe, this coming weekend. Oh, I thought that it was this past one. Okay. Well, well I, that's I, what's going to get you back then, yeah? When watching Black Widow, I clearly, at the start, you know, the opening action sequence, remember thinking to myself, why the fuck would I go to cinema? This is great. <laughs> HDR 10 oh no you've become the person around. that you were so worried about when we started this podcast you were like oh god now nobody's gonna go back and the cinema is so important and you're that fucker sure am killed, I'm holding I'm this cinema. industry up do it you're, you're gonna be paying 80 quid a ticket anytime anytime soon <laughs> seriously <laughs> uh, I've got my AMC pass for now so you know it's great but just a shout out, by the way, as we're talking about this, to Loki, which this week was, mm. I mean, every week has been great, but this week was just phenomenal. With it was. It's variants. sickening that it's nearly over in, in 24 you know. hours time. We'll be settling down. Yeah, your stupid episode. brother reminded me on Ugh. Twitter last night. And I was like, stupid no. Brother. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready for that to be a reality. But the, again, I guess. the Marvel calendar is is now just bang, 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 bang. Just stuff coming at you every other month now for fucking years, isn't it? Yeah. Which is true. great. I just really love it. I just really love it. It was terrific. What are we talking about then, Mark? What did you? What have you gathered us here for this week? Dearly beloved. <laughs> um, 
There's an author, right? Uh, a guy by the name of James Clear. James Clear writes um, trite kind of disposable chicken soup for the soul kind of self-help books, okay. right? Um, but I found a quote from James Clear this week, which kind of gets to the heart of of what I've been wondering of late. James Clear okay. says that suffering drives progress, okay? Mm-hmm. He says that the source of all suffering is the desire for a change in state. And that is also the source of all progress. Hmm. And as you know, as our listeners will know by now, I am prone to looking at the world and wondering how the fuck we got to this state, right? Right. And, you know, I think of the death of the Great Barrier Reef and I think of wildfires and I think of climate change and it leads me to wonder is progress intrinsically bonded to suffering Hmm. every quote unquote advance that we've made every leap forward in technology and in architecture and in civilization feels as though it was done on the bones of people feels as though it was built on suffering, on sacrifice. And not sacrifice willfully given, but sacrifice inflicted. Mm-hmm. Is progress tied to suffering? It's a really interesting question. And I feel like I'm looking, I see two different things here. Mm. There's the idea of suffering sort of driving us to make things better. Right. Mm -hmm. That like life is in your words, you know, cruel and pointless, you know. And so how do we make that experience better for ourselves, whether that is in some way, you know, a medical intervention, intervention. That's a Disney word. Innovation. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) My Southern California was coming out. Um, Whether it's, you know, entertainment or whatever, something to make the days less miserable, stuff like that. Yeah. As opposed to then the other thing that I see here is this idea of suffering, something being built on people's bones, on people's backs, on on someone, the need for people to be crushed in order for there to be progress. Yes. That's a totally different thing from the other thing and one that I agree, I don't agree with, but all, and then I don't know that I agree with the other one either, but I we'll talk about this but this is that's how i'm separating this in my mind as to two different sort of kinds of ways of looking at the same question one in that do we create anything do we move forward simply to alleviate some form of suffering in the world and the other being is the only way to accomplish that or historically is the only way that has been accomplished through the exploitation and suffering of people it's the latter that i suspect is is closer to the truth you know and that's the one I don't think is good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Cultural exchange. Right. For example. Okay. So, uh, at least in Britain, uh, you think of the Industrial Revolution, right? 1800s, okay. 1700s into the 1800s. Would not have been possible. Simply could not have been achieved. The move to manufacturing, uh, manufactured goods, the move to, to you know machines powering industry could not have happened without coal 
Mm-hmm. Okay, replacing wood as the the kind of the fuel, the staple resource of industry. But the very act, the very you know, coal is impossible to generate or was at the time without colossal suffering. The life of uh, and you know, being Welsh, the 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 mining industry is so tied up with with Welsh and Southern Welsh identity, mm-hmm. and all the way through the 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 boom in in Welsh mining in kind of the eighteen fifties all the way through to nineteen hundreds, nineteen tens, nineteen twenties, so many people died, child labour, disease, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some three thousand deaths took place. In less than a hundred years, in the mining industry in South Wales, one of the worst industrial accidents ever in the history of of the UK was an explosion in a, a small town called St Gennad in South Wales, um, and that suffering, that 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 prolonged suffering, gave rise to a massive leap forward in society, in industry, in technology. So what makes you think that that couldn't have happened without the suffering? At that speed. And at, you know, and on that scale. I don't see how how it could have. Oh, well, it it didn't. It didn't. See, Mm. and that's where that's where I push back is the it didn't is different than it couldn't. Okay. so the way that we tend to look at these kinds of things is like, okay, well, this couldn't have happened without these deaths, without all these kinds of things. But that's when we're driven by the idea that, A, we do things the quickest that it can be possible, and B, that it's about what is going to cost the people who own the means of production the least to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hence hence the the appalling conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea that this had to happen in order for this sort of progress to happen only makes sense if you assume that the only way for progress to happen is for someone at the top to be pushing it uh, and only funding things that are going to be the quickest, no matter what the human cost. Hmm. Um, And so realistically, there were people alive who could have innovated better ways of doing this, who could have found ways in which the extraction of coal yeah. would be less harmful to people. Okay. Right? And that and that it wouldn't necessarily even have slowed things down. It doesn't necessarily mean that it would have to be a slower process or that it would even be more costly. But what's the easiest way to do it in a situation in which the workers are estranged from their labor and in which the, they don't own the means of production, mm-hmm. the easiest way is not to give a shit yep. and to do it on the backs of those people. So I don't think the suffering needed to happen and the progress wouldn't happen without it. It did happen. It's like, I think about this in terms of, say, inventions. Like So when you look at like the late like 19th century, right, and you're getting all these... Um, like electricity and wireless telegraphy and all these kinds of things that are happening Mm -hmm. at once. What we know about all of that, um, and the book Thunderstruck is a really good look at wireless telegraphy specifically um, and talking about Marconi, but that multiple people in multiple places come up with the same ideas 
at the same time. Yes, yes, yes. And the person who, and because of the, you know, exploitation of capitalism, it's usually the person with the most money who then is able to, you know, yeah. turn it into something like uh, Edison, right? Edison just stole people's patents and, yeah. you know, I don't know put who's, those things out there. quote it is, but it's one of my favoritest, favoritest ever quotes uh, that there's yeah. nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. I don't know who's, right. who who attributes that yeah, to. What but, the, yeah, who that so, is, but yeah. exactly. So there are things that we, and, and these things are developed, not just we tend to look at them also as a Western thing. Mm -hmm. Like people in Africa develop the same things, you know, people in Asia develop the same things at the same time. Um, but we tend to attribute it to the person who, the most bombastic figure that did it, the richest, the mm. most aggressive, the person who was willing to exploit the most people, because that's what we like worship. That's what we look at, the efficiency of, of capitalism and this idea that, you know, you have to break a few eggs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think that that's true. I think that's what, it's just how it has happened. Does okay, so huge devil's advocate question here then. Sure, go for if it. If that's the way it has happened, do any of the ways that it didn't matter? Well, I mean, I guess I'm answering the question of does this like is it necessary, right? Does does mm -hmm. suffering actually drive innovation? And I would say that suffering stifles innovation. As I said earlier, I was talking about um uh, the Black Death, the plague sure. series that um, that last podcast on the left was doing. And they were talking about uh, sort of at the very end of this series, they got around to the fact that like the, the plague ultimately kind of ended up being responsible for the end of feudalism and this and the shift of of uh, how society worked, uh, growing middle class, things like this. Yeah. But also that, you know, with the downfall of things that were causing suffering, the systems that were causing suffering to people, people were able to innovate in ways that they weren't before. People were able to create art and writing that they weren't before. You get the printing press. You get all these kinds of things that happen as a result of the end of a system that imposed so much suffering on people, as opposed to um, when they were put under all of this, they could only innovate so far as the people in charge could imagine. Okay. So if I invent something, but I have no access to the means to create it, if yeah. I have an idea in my mind, but I'm poor, I can never create that thing unless the king has the imagination to come up with that thing or unless Richard Branson or Jeff Bezos or... Sure. Uh, Tesla, fuck. He, you know, unless they uh, give me the money and have that idea to say, I would like to pay someone to create it. My idea doesn't go anywhere. Only Elon Musk's idea goes somewhere because he can fund someone to create it. So as long as we are under systems in which people, you know, have to be stepped on to make things and that only the people who do the stepping have that power of innovation, we're yeah. stifled in where innovation can go. So is it, is it not, is it not suffering per se then, but moral torpor, moral, uh, or a, or a lack of morality? It, it seems, it seems that the advances, it seems that the the steps forward, aren't ever made by those who want to do them in a nice, chilled, ethical way. <laughs> if right, history is right. written by the winners, are the winners always those who are prepared? to sling suffering or cut corners at their idea 
so that it is the first. Well, I also think of this as like, so we've talked before about the lung cancer vaccine in Cuba, right? Mm. In a, in a communist country um, and, and things that can be made when you don't necessarily have a capitalist incentive. And obviously a lung cancer vaccine is a response to suffering, right? So on that other side, that absolutely um, counts. You know, there's there's a suffering in the world, we want to alleviate it. Mm. Um, and so we we create something to do that. In our countries, that doesn't exist because there is no capital reason to do that. Mm. You know, that there's, the money doesn't make sense for us to create something like that. And so we have not created this thing that they have in Cuba. And this is sort of, you know, what I mean about this, this stifling of innovation and this inability to, you know, even to say, is it the person who has, who's willing to step on the most or whatever, or all that, that question in of itself, it, it's not. You can see in other cultures when they create things that they don't necessarily feel that same sort of, um, someone needs to get crushed in order to to create something. You can create something just for a good um, out of the idea of Agreed. trying to provide for people. But I mean, even in medicine, I mean, and without limiting our thinking to human suffering, sure. the, the amount of animal suffering which is involved mm -hmm. in medical advancement is still suffering a of a different point. kind. I mean... Uh, That's a very good point. Yeah. The last... The last 115 million animals annually are used in medical research and mm -hmm. all of the mitigation in the world, all of the care and, and ethical treatment of those animals in the world can't remove all of the suffering involved in that. Animals fucking suffer for, for, for medical yeah, research. Absolutely. So what is that if not suffering of another kind for the benefit of mankind? And the amount of, of advancement in, in medicine, which were only possible through fucking killing a load of monkeys... But were they only possible? I mean, this is also the question. I'm not a scientist, you know. I don't know that that was the only way or if it was the easiest and most cost-effective way. But again, it was the way that. that happened. It was the way that worked. Yeah, I mean, that's... I guess these are... Again, that's two different questions as well. So as our question is, is it required or is that what happened? If it's, is that what happened, many of our... I still don't think all. Mm. Like I said, you get the example of the things after you know, the, the bubonic plague that people in the absence of uh, oppression mm. were able to create things that they would not have been able to create had they continued to be oppressed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do think that we, this is also a matter of attribution, I think a lot of the times is who we attribute something to like you said yeah. the history like it's the history being written by the winners thing but you know in western society that we tend to attribute things to the people who fit into our own ideas of hard work you know of um you know pulling yourself up in the world of of geniuses like mm. we subscribe to those ideas and those are who we attribute things to um when rarely are they the ones who actually created that innovation or mm. that they are an exception to the rule of how people create you know that there's there's so much more going on but we attribute these to the people who fit most into our ideas okay of how things work like tesla fuck which is forever more to be his name <laughs> 
which is unfortunate because Nikola Tesla is one of the yeah. people who created and was stepped on yeah, uh, by someone else. You know, that that's a that's the example that, you know, we should be looking at. Elon Musk is the opposite is. of Nikola Tesla I mean, in that way. But in it, inadvertently, that's another example of what I'm talking about. Just yeah. so a billionaire could nearly get to space this week. Mm. A whole lot of fucking animals got shot up in rockets right. and fucking suffered and died as a result. Space yeah. travel, its suffering has played a massive part in the progress of that particular science, just as it right. did medicine, just as it did industrialization. Do you see the pattern that, that, that I'm fixating yeah, yeah. on? No, absolutely, I do. And I think that this is, you know, as I've been thinking about this, you know, over the past week or whatever, when you brought this up, mm. um, I guess like two weeks now, which is why I've had so much time to harp on it, I suppose. Um, but um, I don't know, with my, my thought process with it is like, I don't think any of it is necessary um, I don't think suffering is necessary. I don't think that power, I don't think that people being crushed, it is how it has happened. But I think that we consider ourselves to be creatures of ingenuity. Mm-hmm. We consider ourselves to have geniuses. Do you have these kinds of things like the human condition, what separates us from all those other animals? Yeah, of course, of is course. supposed to be that we can uh, create these systems and do better. But we are so locked into the thinkings of the mechanisms of capitalism and the thinking of, you know, the sort of Eurocentric Western um, ideals and in America of these sort of puritanical ideas and, Mm. um, you know, the idea of like a Protestant work ethic and and things like that, that make it so that we don't provide what you've said before, right? Many times that you feel like we are behind where we should be technologically, right? That they're like, you look at like what, you thought the future would be like and the technologies yes. that we should have. And we have not reached those. We kind of stagnated at a certain point. Um, and that is, you know, what is profitable is the stuff that entertains us to death and the stuff that you make with like, you know, five-year-olds working in a factory in China. Yep. Um, but is that what actually makes our world better? We're nuking ourselves to death uh, through climate change and things like that. That's not progress. We've made no progress. No, but certainly not. And, this and, is not how this works. That, you know? I guess, that's, I suppose, what's the crux of my argument. Yeah. If if we've built a model of progress being at the expense of suffering, you know what I mean? I talked about coal earlier on. Coal and fossil fuels are like the biggest fucking 40, 50 odd percent of all carbon dioxide emissions are because yeah, of fossil fuels. Yeah, we done fuck up with that. Yeah, we've done we you know, we've built this model of progress at the expense of the natural world or at the expense of well-being or at the expense yeah. of law. And you zoom out on a planetary scale and, ah, you know what I mean? Fucking hell. <laughs> I, at, at the touch of a button, I can send gigabits of data. And yet the fucking Great Barrier Reef is dead. Right. Exactly. And yet, you know, I have trouble going to a movie because climate change has caused insane storms to happen every single day, you know, and bridges are melting in Oregon and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I think, yeah, I guess maybe, maybe I'm challenging the premise altogether and we're neither of us are the first to do that, but the idea of progress anyway, what does that even mean? Because, because we have allowed 
progress to come at the expense of suffering. We have not made progress. Instead, we're destroying ourselves. Yes. Yes. And if from, you know, you look back when Christopher Columbus arrived, uh, you know, in the Americas and came upon the Taino people, those people, those indigenous people, knew how to practice sustainability. Yes. In and the I way dare that say they medicine. Farmed, and yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, they knew how to use the earth's resources. And this is not in like a mystical, like, oh, Native Americans, like, yeah, you know, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. these sure, like sure, magical sure. creatures. They practiced this because they observed what happened mm -hmm. and had a sense of social responsibility. And they went, if we use too much of this, we are going to run out of it. So we need to plant things in cycles in these areas. We need to make sure we only use this much of stuff. And they were sustaining the planet because they had a sense of responsibility to one another. You can com contrast that to say the, the Maori in New Zealand, the Maori mostly killed off the moa. Like there's a giant bird dinosaur that lived in New Zealand and the Maori were like oh these are awesome we will burn down the forests here to chase the moa out so that we can hunt and kill them and eat them like so it, it you know I'm glad they did by the way it sounds this, terrifying it's horrifying if you've ever stood next to like a moa thing it it's terrible but anyway like we make choices about those things based on our societies and we could be sustainable we could have made all these kinds of choices if the priority had been yep. social responsibility yep. there as we opposed go. to there we go the I way guess, that it is now so to revise my initial thesis sure. suffering is not bound up with the act of progress and civilization and creativity but it has become the de facto way mm. of achieving progress yes. and and innovation yeah yeah uh, that's depressing, but now that you phrase it that way, yeah, that that I think I agree with. It has become the de facto way that we accomplish what we interpret as progress. Yeah, which and is you know, even not. even in things like the clothes that we wear, fast fucking turnaround on fashion, mm -hmm. sweatshop labor, uh, yeah. you know, the 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 engineering that goes into your fucking mobile device, I guess, is the skill now in in in. In, in in corporation the ability of hiding the suffering that you cause better mm. yeah yeah absolutely that's it's again a horrifying thought and to cause a complacency based on that hiding and because of the necessity of these mm. things right like what a, what am i going to do not have a cell phone yeah. not have these kinds of things but i don't have the option of not having one made under terrible working conditions <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's we have pushed ourselves into a place where yeah. even those of us who are very aware of the suffering that go into these things it's difficult to take any form of principled stand and you're always going to be choosing you know some unless you live completely off the grid and you make your own clothes and you know don't talk to anyone or things like that you're always going to have to make these these little trade-offs um and they're huge trade-offs globally in a in a sense on that zooming out that you were talking about like when you zoom out these are actually huge trade-offs that we're causing yep. incredible exploitation and suffering in making this podcast on our macbooks you know yep. <laughs> like uh so yeah it's a it's a horrible reality. But I mean, we could just it, write yeah. letters to one another, you know what I mean? And read them out on fucking tapes. 
but you know. <laughs> be kind of fun. Uh, uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> when we've destroyed the world, I yeah. do hope that we can do that with one another, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing left but the the postman. Deal. I deliver the post. That's what I do. Is that an actual line from that film? Is that what Kevin Costner says? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure at one point he goes, I deliver But the you post. sold it very well. I That's believed I that do. that was a line. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he'd say it like that, but... Uh, no solutions here, by the way. Sorry. No, that would... Yeah, that's... I don't have anything for it except that, you know, I I want us to think differently. And at this point, we have... When we're seeing... I was talking to someone about this, that, like, with everything that happened in the heat wave in America, mm. um, you're seeing this stuff affect white people, right? You're yes. seeing this affect people in the richest nation on Earth. Yeah. Um, Effects that have previously mostly affected brown people in areas that we don't see and nothing is reported on. Um, And, you know, if that doesn't get us to start doing something, I don't know what will. But at least, you know, we're very vividly seeing the effects of this climate change. Um, And that, you know, maybe the seeing of that (laughs) will cause us to rethink something bigger than eating vegan or buying not buying fast fashion or whatever else and actually hold people responsible wouldn't it be terrific fix it (laughs) if through some fluke of circumstance and timing you and i started this podcast in the perfect place to chart fucking humanity waking up because white people were finally being affected by all of this shit (laughs) i thought you were gonna say chart the end of the world oh no 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 the other way the other way around that this is surprisingly optimistic of you, but that's incredible, you know. <laughs> yeah. Joag, the journey of watching white people figure out, holy mm. shit, this could actually affect us. Or a new Elm Street film. I would take either. <laughs> either one of those. If they could come out of Joag, that would be really good. Either would be as good as one another. Uh, <laughs> so um, let us know your thoughts. Please, please, because I'm I'm very, very, very interested in this topic. You know, and if there are societies out there, if there are countries which have industrialized in a totally humane, you know, (laughs) uh, atmosphere of communal gain and benefit and love, I would love to hear about them. Because I... I, I, There's no such thing as that because England exists and ruined it for everyone. The United Kingdom exists, colonized everybody. All right, fucking hell. Hey, I come from one yeah. of your colonies. <laughs> this is <Yeah. laughs> this is how it works. The UK colonized everyone, so everybody suffers. Yeah, fair enough. I was I was about to get offended, and I thought, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let us know your your thoughts on this this topic, um, and. Uh, Talk to us on the old Facebook, the Instagram. You know where to find us at all the Jack of All Graves things. Mm. Um, and anything else that we need to close out with there? Nope. Uh, vampire poll coming up. Uh, thank you very much indeed for sticking with us again, even though we're a day late. Uh, regular as clockwork from here on in, I promise. Uh, and, unless, you know, I get sleepy. <laughs> Fair. So until next time, friends. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.